We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we're discussing a problem that is more serious and more common than you may think. It's loneliness. Not to be confused with solitude, being alone, or wanting to be alone. True loneliness can have serious health consequences and can even lead to suicide. And it's not, as you might expect, a problem primarily for older people. It's even bigger for people under 40. With me to talk about it are Dr. Dixie Meyer, an associate professor at SLU's Medical Family Therapy Program and the director of the university's Relationships and Brain Sciences Research Laboratory. Reverend Amy Birchhausen is executive director of Care and Counseling, a local organization that aims to enhance emotional, relational, and spiritual well-being by providing available counseling. Elizabeth Sergal is CFO of the Visiting Nurses Association of Greater St. Louis and director of its new program, Visit a Bit, an effort to address loneliness among seniors. Thank you all for being with us. Nice to have you. Serious subject, ladies. Uh, Dixie, let me begin with you. I think we ought to start with a working definition of what loneliness really is. So... As you were talking about earlier, when we think about loneliness, it's not a choice. Loneliness is that emotional state that individuals will will experience when they are not having enough social connections with others. Mm -hmm. That seems like uh, it's easily remedied. It seems like it's easily remedied, but... What Unfortunately, what happens when it comes to loneliness is that individuals start to become even more socially sensitive to rejection, and so individuals start looking for it. So it actually, once someone starts to feel lonely, they can even make themselves feel more lonely in the process. Amy, I, I think it's a problem, as I alluded to in the introduction, uh, people think of it as a problem primarily for older people. Uh, do you see it that way? Um, I think it is a problem for older people, but it's really a problem with younger people, too. As a matter of fact, we see that that's skewing younger and younger. And um, I think it has to do with the the difference between connecting and belonging. Um, we're all real pretty well connected in terms of Facebook and that kind of thing, but it's not really belonging to one another and having that level of intimacy and relationship. And we see that the younger uh, generation, that's their norm, is to be connected without really belonging. I was quite startled to see that, in fact, that it is such a problem amongst uh, the under 40 crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I haven't seen any statistics like this, but I'd love to see that um, – graph line between the growth in loneliness and the growth of technology and uh, social media in our world. A a different way for today's digital world to influence us, obviously. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, uh, but your your emphasis is on older people. It is on older people. And and, and what are you finding and how are you dealing with it? Yeah, we're finding that the research has proven that loneliness has real health consequences. They have, um, I'm sure everyone's seen the articles recently saying that they have the same health effects as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. There's a significant increase in uh, the risk of coronary heart disease and stroke and dementia and depression. And overall, there's a higher likelihood of death related to loneliness. So how are you dealing with that amongst the older set? Yeah, with the older population, um, we have started a program called Visit a Bit. And Visit a Bit is a volunteer-based program that comes into the home of lonely seniors who are predominantly um, homebound. 
<clears throat> and the the volunteers do three things. They provide educational resources. They uh, might perform some light tasks for the senior. And then it's just for socialization. They are providing an ear to listen and, and then expanding their existing network of uh, through technology and then reconnecting with friends and with neighbors. Uh, Dixie, can you go into a little more detail on, on symptoms and perhaps self-evaluation, if that's possible? Sure. So when we're looking at loneliness, obviously, as we were already having that conversation, you might see depression, sadness, things like that that go into it. But really, when you're looking at loneliness, what you're seeing is a a difference in brain state. So individuals who are lonely are more hypervigilant. They're more on alert. They're more sensitive to the social cues that are present in front of them. And they're more sensitive to seeing that sort of rejection. As we know, if we're looking for rejection, whatever it is that we're looking for, we will find it. So these are some of the symptoms that we might see. And as a result of that, we'll actually see changes in stress hormone levels that actually precipitate some of these health consequences you were referring to, Elizabeth. Mm Amy, a lot of people like to be alone. Is something wrong with them? (laughs) No, but as you already stated, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. There's a difference between uh, solitude and being lonely. And lonely means... I don't have options. I, you know, when we have options, we're being alone. <laughs> yeah. uh, when we don't have options, we're lonely. Mm-hmm. And we don't have someone we feel like we can reach out to that we're deeply connected to who really wants to hear about our, our day, whether it was good or bad or, you know, just average. That's a big difference. Elizabeth, I would think that, that being alone at times is, uh, is soothing, probably even helpful to the personality uh, psychologically. It may be uh, for some individuals and for other individuals. um, Just like Amy was saying, they don't have an option and and they don't have anyone to reach out to. And there are a lot of seniors in the St. Louis area who are feeling this way. Um, We've seen it in a, a number of our own programs at the Visiting Nurse Association. And that's why we actually built the program that we did. Amy, socialization seems to be the key word that we're using today. Yeah, and I have ex- pers- a lot of personal experience with older adults having been a chaplain in a, uh, a long-term care facility. And the thing that always struck me about what was so interesting about isolation and loneliness for older adults is hearing. Loss, mm-hmm. Hearing loss is such a big part of that. So sometimes even when you're with someone, you're not hearing them. You can't hear them very well and you can't participate. Or uh, sometimes whole big families will get together f- for a party with an older adult, and yet they're not really v- very connected during that time mm-hmm. because they can't hear all those people. A one-on-one visit is so much better. Well, the IBM Institute for Business Value just came out with some research surrounding that uh, <clears throat> that very item, and they have shown that loneliness is triggered by some form of loss. Um, and there's so much loss that comes with seniors. Mm-hmm. They they leave their jobs, which they've defined themselves as their entire lives. Um, their spouses and their friends begin to pass away. They lose their hearing. They lose transportation options because someone may come and take their keys. Um, and so that loss leads to much loneliness for seniors. But Dixie, that, those things that Elizabeth just talked about do not apply to young people generally. Well, I don't, I don't know that that's really the case anymore. I, you know, as, 
Amy, as you were referring to, what is that statistic? What does it look like in terms of how loneliness has changed as technology has emerged? We've actually seen people get lonelier and lonelier, yet we have more sources of connections. So it really has to make us question ourselves. Are these connections, are they actually that sense of belonging, as you were referring to earlier, or are they they superficial mm-hmm. in that sense where people, they don't feel like they actually connected with someone in in that process, it makes them more sad and lonely. You're saying it has to be a, a one-on-one human connection, face-to-face kind of connection. I don't know that it has to be, but I think that for a lot of individuals, it is more rewarding to have that face-to-face connection. There was this great study that was done, and they put um, moms and their teenage daughters under stress. And the um, the teenagers, right splash. there you go, right. <laughs> so the um, the teenagers, after they were under stress, then they had the opportunity to visit with their mother, to get a phone call from their mother, or to receive a text from their mother, and then they measured stress hormone levels afterwards. And what they found out was that the the um, phone call helped reduce it a little bit. What the text messages did nothing for helping mm. with the stress hormone levels, but what really helped was actually having that physical presence of their mother there. Yeah. Amy, you are a reverend. Uh, is there a spiritual component to this? Oh, I think there is. I think um, despair is a spiritual word. Um, and so I think, and we're whole people, so we're, we're you know, mind, body, and spirit. So if I think there's a spiritual aspect to everything. But what's, what other studies also show is that uh, um, participation in a religious community across the age bands makes a difference, that people have more of those connections there, they're face-to-face, they're engaged in other things. And we've seen all kinds of things around uh, longevity, too, is that the longer people can stay involved in their religious communities, um, the better they, they do. What about getting people out of the house? And I think uh, Elizabeth will start with you. That's impossible for some people who are, are older. But it would seem to me that that many older people, by choice, stay inside rather than going out and becoming involved in something. Mm-hmm. Is that something you work with? Um, predominantly, we'll be working with individuals who are in their homes and don't have choices to get out of their homes. However, we uh, we won't turn anyone away. Mm-hmm. Loneliness... <laughs> as we've talked about, can can affect anyone. And someone asked me one time, well, how old are you talking about to be a senior? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh-huh. well, to be honest, if you say you're lonely, then we're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to bring somebody to you. Um, and we would love to be able to get everyone out of the house, but some people it's just not an option. Amy, would you address that? Uh- yeah, I think the connection here is isolation. So mm-hmm. sometimes when people get out, then they're less isolated. And again, we see this with technology and younger uh, adults that they be actually because they're staying home on their devices, they're, even though they seem more connected, they're actually more isolated and they're protecting themselves from rejection that they're more uh, hyper alert to and that kind of thing. So yes, and it's not the whole picture, but it's certainly a part of it. Dixie, this is really disturbing to hear that the technology is having such an impact. What what do you recommend? I mean, would you recommend to younger people or to anybody that they limit their time on the devices? Well, I think it's about how you're using your devices. That's really important. So if individuals have real connections and real relationships with these individuals that then they're, you know, following on Twitter and, you know, interacting with on Facebook, then they're actually going to see some of those positive socialization components with those interactions. But 
if instead it creates more avenues for them to feel more lonely because they say, well, that person hasn't friended me back on Facebook and that person isn't following me on Instagram or Twitter, then you've created more opportunities where, again, when people are lonely and sensitive to that social rejection, you've created more opportunities for people to continue to feel this way. So I think the big key is monitor how you're using it. Are you using it to foster those connections or after you're people are using their Facebook or whatever it is, if they start to feel worse about themselves, then maybe that's the time to say, I need to stop this behavior. Elizabeth, maybe we can turn this around. Do you think that these devices that we're talking about would be helpful to the older people, people that uh, the visiting nurses visit? Yes, we actually are incorporating a a technology piece into our program. We do want to uh, teach the seniors how to utilize some of the online options for themselves, especially... uh, Online grocery shopping is, is a for instance, and you talked about transportation issues and getting people out. We will be teaching them how to use Uber and Lyft, um, and in, in fact, taking them for rides and showing them how to do it and not just giving them instructions. I think that's really important for especially the senior population. They, they, you can give them instructions, but they're probably not going to do it if you actually show them how. I saw this with my own, my own mother who passed away in 2014 in that we would give her instructions on how to do certain things. But until we actually showed her how to do it, she wouldn't do it herself. Amy, older people are a little bit reluctant to get, uh, get, get hip with the technology of today. Um, yeah, and I... Yes and no. I mean, my own mom was, she, she would have stayed on Facebook as long as she could have <laughs> seen him when her vision left. That was, she was out of, she would say to me, she'd tell me some news about the family. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I know that. She'd say, how do you know that? And I finally said Facebook. And after I said that so many times, my mother said, I want to be on Facebook. Yeah. So she was until her vision was so poor. But And she couldn't talk on the phone because she couldn't hear. So we would send emails, and her assisted living folks would read the emails to her. So even then, she was still trying to use technology as best she could and have them email us back. And it was it was pretty fun. I have to take a break, but Dixie, let me uh, ask you this question. We talked about vision problems and hearing problems. I've always heard that losing hearing is worse than losing sight. And that's hard for me to believe, but I keep hearing it over and over. Do you think that's true? Wow, I think that's a great question. Mm-hmm. I think when you lose hearing, you also lose other qualities like music mm-hmm. and you know a lot of things that bring people joy. And of course, when we see things, that brings us a lot of joy. But I think there's something about just hearing steady rhythms like the ocean waves that naturally calm us differently in ways that vision does. So perhaps there is some truth to that. Mm-hmm. As, as they say, getting old is not for sissies, is it? Uh, you, you lose all of these things. It's terrible. We have to take a break. We'll do that now. We're talking about loneliness. My guests in studio are Dr. Dixie Meyer, Reverend Amy Birchhausen, and Elizabeth Sertle of uh, Visiting Nurses Association. If you'd like to get into the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio. 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back as we continue our conversation on loneliness. We have a caller. Let's bring uh, him, Eric, right into the conversation. Eric, thanks for being with us. Go ahead. Hi there. Um, 
Hey, I, just to carry the logic through here with technology playing such an important role in distancing people, if you carry that logic through, uh, you get to basically Amish society. Amish people very consciously select technology um, so that they can maximize a face-to-face life. And one study shows that they have a depression rate that's five to ten times lower than Americans as a whole. I myself, who have some experience with the Amish, have uh, uh, in the city we live now, and we work in the home, and we homeschooled our kids, and we involved them in everything we did. And I'm happy to say that now that they're up and out of the house, and on to college and beyond, they're anything but lonely. And they have not only high emotional health, but they are also very high achievers in other areas. I just wanted to throw that into the conversation. Eric, uh, thank you for doing so. Who would like to comment on the societal structure part of this? Amy? I'd be happy to. Yeah, I think that there's um, there might be something in between no technology and all technology. And I think it's important, though, that, uh, like the caller said, to make intentional decisions. So in our little family, when our kids were growing up, we tried to have dinner together every night. And as a part of our spiritual ritual was to say one thing you're grateful for before you could leave the table. Mm. Um, and, of course, we know when our daughter was only grateful for our dog, she'd had a bad day. But um, <laughs> to just be intentional about that, like we're going to limit how much uh, TV we watch or how much uh, uh, screen time you can have. And, and the adults need to do the same thing. And so I think you have to be really thoughtful about it. And when you're thoughtful, I think you can find a good balance. Elizabeth doesn't work at the dinner table when you're alone. No, it certainly doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so technology can actually open up someone's world um, if they don't have anyone in their home. Um, it is an option for them to connect um, via Facebook. Um, and again, but again, you have the issue of potentially being rejected through Facebook or any of these other apps. Uh, and, and, it's Dixie, and so many families today, people, the families do not sit down together at the dinner table or many other places. You know, you can't ignore a lot of lifestyle factors. People make choices with how they want to live their lives, and then it might limit those connections. And so it sounds like what the caller was saying about that purposeful connection is really, really what's key in reducing those depression rates and and keeping individuals from feeling lonely. Uh, Another caller here wants to get in. Let's bring in Joe from St. Louis. Joe, you're on the air. I, I wanted to say that I think uh, a couple other things that go in with this is I, on a personal level, I prefer hearing the person's voice when I'm communicating with them as opposed to reading their text um, because so much, you can tell so much by the tone of someone's voice. Mm-hmm. If I ask you if you're going to the party tonight, Don, and you, I, I text you that and you text me back and say you're not going, I wish I could, uh, but I can't, it would be different than if I hear you tell me that and there's this sound of of sadness or resignation in your voice, and I say, "Oh, why can't you go?" And you say, "Well, my dog just died, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm sad about that." So, I I think it's fine to have the other technology to help connect people, but I think that uh, the voice is so important to hear when you're talking to somebody. And I also think I I I prefer, say, getting a birthday card from someone that someone sent to me and has handwriting in it, than getting an e card. I guess an e card's better than nothing, but. I think implied with the purchase card is someone went out and thought enough of you to buy a card, write something in it, you see their handwriting. Um, it makes you feel a bit more warm inside, I think. And finally, I guess the problem with 
not a problem. I think with folks who are isolated, and I had this happen today talking to an elderly person, um, I, I said something that was kind of an interpersonal thing I revealed about some sadness I was going through, but they they seemed clueless to that when I mentioned that to them in terms of even responding with some kind of empathetic statement and then made a statement about something about themselves, which is fine. But I think that when you become isolated, you become so myopic. You know, your world gets so small, and then you maybe tend to become a little more self-centered, and and it's it's sad, you know, that that has to happen. I think it... Joe, let me interrupt it because of a time consideration. Yeah, get some do. comment. Get some comment from uh, our, our panelists here. Uh, Dixie, do you want to? Yeah, Joe, I think you are, you are correct in talking about that lack of empathy that's present. Because when we see individuals who feel lonely, they get into this state of self-preservation. And when they do that, then they're not as sensitive to those social cues. They lack that empathy. So when you have that conversation with that individual, you can tell if that person's picking up on those social cues. Uh, the uh, time is winding down, but we've had a couple of emails on this issue, and we'll have to respond quickly. Um, I think suburbanism, largely responsible for the pervasive loneliness that plagues uh, in the current times. People have become so spread out with suburban life, many of us lead, uh, and, and the impact of things like suburban sprawl and isolation in private vehicles. Is that a, a consideration at all? You mentioned Uber and Lyft and, <laughs> getting, and just getting out, Elizabeth. Well, I think um, – it's got to be very quick. Yes, technology has has allowed us to stay in our homes, allowed us to move out from the cities, allowed a lot of things for us, but it's also uh, a problem in isolation. In isolation. Mm-hmm. Thought very quickly, Amy? Well, I live in the city, and I don't know my neighbors. <laughs> so I'm not sure that it, it makes a whole lot of difference. That's not true. I do know some of my neighbors. Hello out there. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I just I don't think it has to do with actually ge- ge- geography. Yeah. Very quickly, a 10, 12 seconds? No, I, I think that that's true, that sometimes space actually can add limitations that we don't even consider. Wish we had more time. Maybe we can do this again. Dixie Meyer, thank you so much for being with us. Amy Birchhausen, thank you for being with us. And Elizabeth Sergal, thank you as well. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.